0: Are you a small business owner looking to scale your business and your profits? Are you looking for strategies to find balance in your life as an entrepreneur? Stay tuned while Craig Staley, founder of HG Site Design, a website design and marketing agency, shares strategies from successful small business owners, authors, and experts on how to do just that. Let's join Craig as he explores how we can all take our businesses to the next level on the Small Business School podcast.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Small Business School. My guest today is Maureen Mwangi. She is the CEO and founder of StartWord Consulting. Before starting her own business, Maureen was the brand growth strategist for a number of big name brands that I'm sure you've heard of. A couple just off the top of my head, Dove and Chibani. So some big brands there. And she learned a lot about how Big brands really grow their brand. I mean, she brings some of those learning lessons today of what you know. Some of us small businesses, what we can do to to think like those big brands. You know, we talk a little bit about marketing and sales strategies for each phase of of a product's life cycle or product-based businesses' life cycle. Really, a lot of value today all that information and and a lot, lot more. So stick around and join me in welcoming my guest, Maureen Mwangi. All right. I'd like to welcome my next guest. It is Maureen Mwangi, founder of StartWord Consulting. How are you today, Maureen? I
2: am doing fantastic. How are you
1: doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us today. Can you just start off by giving the listeners a little bit of your your personal background?
2: Okay, awesome. So like Craig introduced me, my name is Maureen Mwangi, and I am the brand growth strategist behind some of the most beloved American brands, such as L'Oreal, Chobani, Dove, and Lay's. And right now, I'm the CEO and founder of Stoddard Consulting, which is a consulting agency that focuses on teaching product-based entrepreneurs the sales and marketing strategies that they need in order to scale their product-based businesses to become household names.
1: That's awesome. That's amazing. So before you founded this business, you you worked for brands like L'Oreal and Lay's, is that what I caught? Yes. And Chibani, that's yes. awesome. That's great. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your consulting business. How did you get started? How did you make that transition or what was kind of the impetus behind the transition from the the corporate world to founding your own your own business?
2: Oh, that's a great question. So I actually usually say that my entrepreneurship journey started at the dinner table with my parents when I was just about seven years old. Oh, really? Yes, so my parents own a what do I call it? A construction and building company mm. back in Kenya. And my dad would constantly talk about his business at the, te- at the dinner table in the evening. And he primarily focused on uh, talking about the struggles when it comes to branding and marketing. Mm. And I just couldn't understand what is so hard about branding and marketing, you know? So <laughs> so when I finished, when I did my undergraduate, I really wanted to pivot into marketing and branding because my undergrad was, in, was a bachelor's in finance. So I pivoted into marketing and branding when I pursued my master's in business analytics and I quickly got the opportunity to work with a big brand. So I started off at an agency. Then I quickly transitioned to the client side and I got an insider look at how big brands do branding Mm -hmm. and marketing. And randomly, I just started testing out some of the strategies on my parents' company and it just worked. And I was like, oh my God, this is actually what the big brands do. So the small brands can actually do this and be successful. So I started it off as a side hustle that we always do. I had my Mm -hmm. full-time job and then I had my, uh, uh, my, my current business as a side hustle. And I did that for about three and a half years before... I took a leap and I took a leap because my mentor told me don't abandon your seven-figure empire for a six-figure paycheck and when he said that I was like oh my god I'm actually holding on to fear I should just take the leap of faith and test this out trust myself to perform at the level required to create a successful company and that's that's where I am right now so (laughs) I'm saying it's a combination of Entrepreneurship being in my blood, plus just trusting myself, going in my intuition, and performing at the level required to achieve success.
1: What a great quote from your mentor. So I just want to dig a little deeper at that point where you made that leap. Were you was your business at the point where you could cover your your current salary, or was it a, truly a leap of faith? And and you know, you are like, okay, well, am I going to make it? Am I going to be able to kind of make this transition and cover what I what I need to cover?
2: So it was it wasn't at the point where I could cover my salary from sure. an income standpoint, but it was at a point where I had a dialed in sales and marketing system. So I knew I could create money. I knew I had a predictable source of revenue sure. and sales. So that's the, that's a trusting I did, but we know business math is different. You can say you're making six figures, but you're not paying yourself what you were making in common. Yeah. But, I, but I trusted the fact that I have a predictable sales mm-hmm. and marketing system that has been working for three years. So what was I going to do for it to fail now? You know yeah. what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. yeah. It was a matter of now <laughs> yeah. you have the time to put into it and really, and really exactly. make it grow. Yes. That's that's awesome. So you teach entrepreneurs different strategies, like you said, that you learned from some of these really big brands. What are maybe a couple things that the big brands know that maybe people that are just starting out or smaller brands don't realize? What, What are some of those strategies?
2: The number one thing that I learned from the big brands is the power of having a brand. Mm -hmm. Small entrepreneurs don't understand what a brand is, what product based entrepreneurs think is, if I have a product, I have a business and I have a brand, Mm -hmm. but that's not the case for big brands. They understand the power of having a community. Building and warming up your community, like nurturing your community, personifying your brand, humanizing your brand and speaking to that person because that's the person who ultimately buys. Mm. So it's 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 interesting how when I was working on the strategies for the big brand, we focus like so much money into, we put in so much money into market research, mm-hmm. into the voice of the customer, into representing our customer, we press digital, paid everything we did. or the center with the customer as a center. But when I came to the small world, it was like, I have a product. All I need to do is make sure I work with my manufacturer, do the distribution and then sell, but it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. It's actually having the brand at the forefront and then building a community so that people buy. And it actually got me to coin this term that I usually say, branding is why people buy you. Marketing is how people find you.
1: Mm, that makes sense. So your, your thought process behind it is you have this idea for a product and the very first thing you need to do is identify who your target market is, who your customer is, not the other way around of like, I'm going to start selling this shampoo and you know, then I'll learn who my customer is. You should know that from the beginning.
2: Yes. And then building a community, like give yourself time, give yourself at least three to six months to build that community, to nurture that community. So when you bring the product, it actually moves. Mm, So let your, so let your marketing fuel the momentum of your business when it comes to inventory moving, because as new businesses, we buy so much inventory, don't know how to sell it, that inventory stays with you for over two years and then it becomes Mm -hmm. sunk cost. It yeah. depreciates in value, doesn't have anything, then you end up selling it at cost three years later or literally just throw it out. Hmm.
1: So, over the last year, you know, with COVID, you know, a lot of people moved to, people were already moving to online, but online took a giant leap forward. I think I read that e commerce grew by 44% last mm-hmm. year. So, If you're just starting out with a product-based brand, how do you decide which channel is right both for the product that you're selling in and for your business as a whole?
2: It did, the first way to decide is where do, where's your person, where's your customer spending the vast majority mm. of their time? Where do they buy their product? How are they consuming content? So if you're speaking to somebody who's constantly shopping online, heck yeah, you need to be online. But also during the pandemic, we all moved online. So for you to survive online, it's more beyond the channel, but how you do business. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to scaling and it comes to growth, just ask yourself where is your person buying their product where are they spending the vast majority of their time if they're traveling a lot, maybe having a pop-up shop at the airport is what makes sense
3: mm-hmm.
2: right if they're constant if they're always doing pantry stocking, the mission trips to the store is pantry stocking, then you definitely want to be in a retail in a retail chain or a grocery store so it goes sure. back to the person.
1: That makes sense, mm-hmm. which then it, it adds all the more importance of identifying that person exactly. up front. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> otherwise you're just like, I need to be here and here and here and here, and then we'll decide where, who our customer is and where mm-hmm. they're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that makes so much sense. What's the most important marketing and sales strategies for each phase of a, a product-based business's life cycle?
2: So there are three phases, actually four. I'm going to name them. It's emerging, growth, scaling, and maturity. Okay. So in the emerging stage, you literally just have an idea. You have an idea, you haven't tested it out, so you don't have a proof of concept. Mm. What your job at this stage should be is building a community, selling your product however you can, even if you're going to do it at the front of your house or the garage or the pop-up shop, anywhere, trade events, sell your product however you can with the intention of getting customer feedback. Mm. Because at this stage, you're literally testing out your product and you want to make sure you're getting the correct feedback so that you can either improve on it, but also learn how to market that product. Mm. So this is not the time to invest in, paid ads or to invest in crazy marketing strategies because you really don't know what works. You're really learning your customers. So that's a big, that's what you need to focus on that stage. When it comes to growth at this growth stage, you've had momentum, you have consistent sales, and you're probably asking yourself this question, can I actually make this work? Mm -hmm. The number one thing in this stage is really understanding your numbers because the difference between the growth stage and the scaling stage is what you will do with the numbers or the data in your business. Mm. Scaling is all about leveraging data so that you can duplicate and multiply the efforts that have actually been working. So if you don't have an understanding of numbers, I know most entrepreneurs are creatives. If you don't know how to do this, hire help yourself yeah. in a community where they're talking about strategies to grow. Get a mentor, like really focus on understanding your numbers. The second thing is identifying a marketing channel that works and stick with it. Because another downfall in the growth stage is what I call the shiny object syndrome. Mm. Especially now in the internet age where we can get any information. If you hear your friend is doing this or you see it in the internet forum that maybe text message marketing is working, or I just did this amazing reel, like put your blinders on and find one marketing channel that Focus works, on it. Focus on it because that's what you need to duplicate in the scaling stage. Mm. That goes to the sales channel. If e-commerce is working at that stage, make sure it works to the level as to which you desire. Then when you get into scaling, you can consider channels like retail. So that's a growth stage.
1: Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. So in the growth stage, you should probably... What I may be hearing here is you should also be like testing different types of marketing until you find the one that works and that's the one you kind of are, are sticking with as you move forward to scale.
2: So you're not really testing because by the time you get into the growth stage there's something you did between the emerging and growth a marketing oh. vehicle that worked so okay. I want you to stick to it and make it really refined. So mm. example, if you were doing Facebook ads right or you initially were outsourcing the Facebook ads, bring it in-house learn how to do it yourself or maybe with your assistant. So that next stage of scaling, you build a marketing department.
1: That makes right? sense. Yes. Okay. Yep. Sorry.
2: <laughs> <No worries. laughs> That's a good question. And then when you move into the scaling stage here, you've, you've made the money. You're, you're now thinking about how do I make this thing big? Like how do I become a recognizable brand in this stage? The biggest mistake here is, entrepreneurs lose sight. They lose their vision because they've been doing the same thing over and over again. So they Mm -hmm. have the the mentality I call the year-over-year mentality, but that mentality just produces the same results. So strategic Mm -hmm. thinking, strategic planning is paramount at this stage because you need to have like a three-year plan, a five-year plan, and a 10-year plan on how you're going to scale your business. So focusing on Do I need to create new products? Do I need to do some innovation? Do I need to now add another person on my team to learn this new marketing channel? Do I need to add another sales distribution channel? This is what you should be thinking about so that you know what to actually implement so that in three years you can be making X or you can be at the stage you want to be at. That
1: makes sense. And so then at that point, it's a a matter of, kind of pouring fuel on the fire. You yes. you know, you know what works, and it's a matter of strategically focusing on a on a certain thing that's working and, and continuing to to add to it. Yes. So what, one thing you mentioned there was is knowing your numbers and how important that is. You know, and I'm sure it varies by different niches, but what numbers should product-based business owners really be focused on when they're they're growing their business?
2: I would say the number one thing is your profit. Mm. Like right now we are constantly talking about revenue and sales, but you can make seven figures, a million dollars, but if you're not profitable, yeah. you're not running a business. If you literally stress 24 seven. So yeah. look at tracking, Track your profit because your profit is the lifeblood of your business. And it's profit that will allow you to do the things that you've always dreamed of. It's profit that will allow you to get into retail. It's profit that will allow you to add new products. It's profit that will allow you to hire a team. So focusing on profit and a profit margin is Mm -hmm. really important. When you come into the other metric is like your average order value. Like how much are people spending at... A transaction in your business because uh, uh, you want to make sure that whenever you're running pay ads that you're able to cover the cost of acquiring a customer, Mm -hmm. right? Because if you cannot acquire a customer, (laughs) profits, it just it just
1: you're not going to work out.
2: Yeah, you don't get any return on your investment, but you're pouring so much money, and then you end up like people say they end up being broke and they just don't have any cash for the business. So that's another metric. The second metric, uh, I, the third metric is actually what I call the net promoter score. It's how likely are your customers going to refer this product to you, or mm-hmm. to, to refer this product to someone else? Because you really want to make sure that your product has a lot of buzz, in the sense that you're getting word of mouth referral or word of mouth sales, because. Paid traffic can be very expensive. Sure. So you want to make sure that not only am I spending efforts on trial, which is paid or, or other strategies you're using, but you're also getting sales from repeat and sales from repeat that are coming from a warm lead or from a warm customer. I can go into... Uh, the other metric I usually talk about is return on ad spend or, as well as return on money invested. And mm-hmm. you work a lot with agencies... Agencies are very good at telling you you get you got a roas of five x. Well, that's the money that you put in to your ad spend, but they're not they're not able to look at what did it take to bring that product to life. Like the money sure. invested
1: to on bring the back it end on, on
2: the back end, yeah. So you need to have some of these granular data uh, data points so that you can project out how your future looks like.
1: That makes a lot of sense. It's mm-hmm. it's one thing to say, yeah, you're making 5X on your advertising dollars, but if it's costing you more on the back end, then it's not, yep. the numbers aren't working. So yep. definitely something you need to focus on. And to your point, if if it's not your strong suit find someone that can help you with it. Find
2: somebody that can help you with it.
1: So let's transition a little bit and just talk more about you and kind of your experience. But what has been the biggest challenge that you faced in business, either in your current business or previously when you worked for some of these larger brands? And what did you do to overcome it?
2: Oh, I think my biggest challenge has been, I would say technology. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) And I say that because the technology is evolving and changing every single day, right? And keeping up with the changes can sometimes be so overwhelming because I get to a point and I'm like, should I be doing Instagram reels? Should I be doing TikTok? That just doesn't align with my personality. Like what should I be doing? And so what that has taught me is going back to what I said, if this channel is working, focus. Mm like putting on my blinders and being like, this has worked at this stage of my business and this is the stage I am at. So let me keep doubling down on that. And then I'm going to add something else in the near future. So technology has, also, has been really, really tough for me. And also the big brands, it was like, evolving with what's coming because with the big brands, my role was actually to identify white spaces, to identify what are the new trends, to identify Mm -hmm. what are the new flavors, to identify what are the new inventions that are going to come up so that they can be ahead when it happens. And they're not reactive to when things happen. So Mm -hmm. that's been one of the most common thing, common uh, challenges, The other one has probably been on a personal level. It's um, really navigating the ups and downs of entrepreneurship.
3: Hmm.
2: You know, some days you have your really high highs and then you have your really low lows and it's keeping the momentum and showing up even during the low moments. Yeah. Being an entrepreneur and being employed are totally different things and just understanding that my business is dependent on how I perform, how I show up, how consistent I am in sales and marketing it has just been a difficult switch to make. But I've I've embraced this journey because I've learned that business entrepreneurship is personal development and steroids.
1: That's great. So <laughs> well, we'll go on the opposite side. What would you say has been the best moment in your business's history so far?
2: Impacting women transforming lives, entrepreneurs leaving their full-time job to run their six-figure product-based businesses in a matter of 13 months has just been a dream come true. Seeing people get into retail just because of having the knowledge and information on how to do so has just been so fulfilling because that's the reason why I started my business. I started my my business because I wanted to impart knowledge to people who are, to entrepreneurs who are really trying to make something out of themselves. Because I noticed that we, how did I notice in Kenya, having a side hustle is like the norm. And it often turns (laughs) out to be a product-based business, but I could see, now I was able to understand the reason why these businesses were not successful is because they didn't know how to do it. Mm. And now having this information that is so simple so strategic and easy to understand and sharing it to other people and seeing it in action has been a dream come true for me. (laughs) That's (laughs) awesome. Maybe my purpose.
1: That's great. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You already talked about one piece of advice a mentor gave you, but who do you consider a mentor and what is the most important lesson they've taught you?
2: Oh, I always have mentors like I always have two mentors at every any given time, actually three fitness, business and mindset. That's those, great. Are the, those are the most important parts of my life. And I would say my biggest mentor uh, has been my mindset mentor. Um, he's called Chris Kenny. He's okay. a founder of Chris Kenny Coaching. And he really rewired my brain. That's what I tell him. He rewired my brain and enabled me to see things I would never have seen. He opened up doors for me that would never have been open. And it's not like he gave me opportunities. He just showed me how how we think about things Mm -hmm. impacts the results that we create. Like one of the biggest lessons I learned from him is we view the world through the lens we view ourselves through. Hmm. So when, so every time I think about something or somebody, I usually ask myself, what am I thinking about myself? And then he also taught me about the abundance mindset thinking versus the scarcity mindset thinking. And he taught me that money is energy. Money is flow because I grew up in a community where you either have it or you don't. Mm. And unless you have it, that's, that's the only way you can access resources. But he taught me that money is energy. Like when you put it out there into the world, it comes back to you. Hmm. So you have to think and ask yourself, if you're feeling like you don't have money, how are you behaving? And how is that belief system serving you? Because we have problems because of how we think about things.
1: So it changes your behavior, your mindset. Exactly. Very interesting. Just a follow-up question on, because it seems like you're very particular about having mentors in your life. What do you do to... Find these mentors. Is this something that you seek out specifically? You see someone who might be a good mentor and and contact them, or or how do you, how do you go about finding your mentors? So
2: how I go about finding my mentors, I I leverage my network. I leverage mm. I use my like for my mindset mentor. I, my friend recommended to him. Sure. And for my business mentor, it was the same thing for my personal. It literally, I use referrals. Mm-hmm. If somebody has had great success, I look at their success stories. I look at where their the clients were and see if I can see myself mm-hmm. in their clients. Because if I'm feeling a certain way and they're feeling or they're on the other side, I sure know that I'm going to have the success if I do the work. But yeah. this, is, this is the one thing. I don't have the mindset that my, my mentor is going to change my life. Sure. I go in knowing that I have to perform at the level required for me to see success. I go in with an unstoppable mindset.
1: That's awesome. Mm-hmm. What, what I really like about what you're doing is you're you're so active in in looking for a mentor and and knowing that it's it's going to help you and propel you forward where i think some people passively find a mentor or kind of you know someone in their family that helps them along or you know it's not like an active search and and not a lot of people do that so that's that's awesome before we move on to the last question where can our listeners find out more about you and your business
2: they can find me through my website. So you can go to www.startwardconsulting.com, which is S-T-A-R-T-W-A-R-D consulting.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at Maureen Mwangi Official.
1: Awesome. So Instagram is your focus. <laughs>
2: yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Got it. So last question, if you could hop into a time machine and go back to the day where you started your, your consulting business, what advice would you give your past self?
2: It's all going to work out. That's great. It's all going to work out.
1: There's always that that anxiousness or fear at the beginning. Yeah.
2: Yes, it's all good. Trust me, it's all going to work out <laughs> I was the end of my life. <laughs> yes.
1: That's awesome. Well, Maureen, you you provided us in in 30 minutes a lot of great information, so really appreciate you coming on and, and joining us today.
0: Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Small Business School podcast. If you like what you heard, please share it and leave a review. It would mean the world to us. If you are a small business owner or looking to start a business, join the Small Business School Facebook group. It's a private community of people focused on helping each other take their businesses to the next level. To learn more about our guest today or to be a feature guest on the Small Business School, go to craigsdaily.com forward slash podcast for more info.